she looked and said, you know what, is the joy in this still here? Um, it would it still be an honor to continue to serve for another term? And she came to the conclusion that it wasn't. St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen will not seek re-election to a second term. Reporter Rachel Lippman and I speculated about the reasons why. I also don't think, though, that you can um, dismiss the changes that voters adopted to how local candidates are elected in November. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen broke some big news yesterday. At a press conference, the city's first female mayor announced she would not seek re-election this coming spring. So after a lot of thinking and a lot of discussion with my family, I have decided to retire in April and not file to run for re-election this coming Monday. I've spent 23 years as an elected official in the city, serving as mayor during these past four years has been far and away the biggest honor of my life. And Mayor Lida Krusen suggested that despite all the challenges in recent months, the city is on the right track. The momentum that we had before COVID is not gone. It is providing jobs today, and it will provide more jobs in the future. And a new mayor will lead us forward. Now, the mayor's decision to retire came as a surprise to many political observers, and that includes St. Louis Public Radio's own Rachel Lipman, who'd taken a rare day off only to spring back into action when news broke on her beat. And so she joins us today to talk about it. Rachel, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Of course this news breaks on your day off. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't be 2020 without that wrinkle in it, right? <laughs> and we're glad that you were still willing to cover it. What reasons did the mayor give in announcing this retirement? The reasons that the mayor gave were, you know, as she mentioned in that first bite, she's been in public service now for 23 years, originally as an alderwoman from the 28th Ward, which is the Central West End area, and then since 2017 as the city's first mayor, and at, or excuse me, first female mayor. And, and as she mentioned, it has not been a particularly easy four years to be the mayor of a major metropolitan city, especially St. Louis. Uh, just a few months after she took office, there was a verdict in the Jason Stockley case. He was a former St. Louis Metropolitan Police officer who was acquitted of murder for the shooting death of a man from in a traffic stop. This had been a, a case that had uh, started on her in her predecessor's watch, but the verdict, the not guilty verdict, came down while she was mayor. That set off uh, a round of protests. Mm -hmm. uh, she's. Um, and then, obviously, you have the COVID-19 pandemic blowing a huge hole in the city's budget. And she's also had to deal with, with rising crime in the city. And I, I think it just, she looked and said, you know what, is the joy in this still here? Um, it, would it still be an honor to continue to serve for another term? And she came to the conclusion that it wasn't. I also don't think, though, that you can um, dismiss the changes that voters adopted to how local candidates are elected in November. Mm, I think that's an important point. Rachel's talking about Prop D, uh, which voters just approved. Rachel, tell us a little bit about this and how this could affect chances for a candidate like Krusen. 
Proposition D uh, essentially upended the way that the city will elect its local offices. So that's mayor, comptroller, board president, and alderman. It's a top two approval voting system now, nonpartisan as well. So candidates have to get signatures to get on the ballot. And then it's uh, essentially a jungle primary in March. Everyone runs against each other, but the twist is that you can vote for as many candidates as you would like, and then the top two go to a runoff in April. And, you know, watchers will remember that uh, Krusen was elected by a very, very narrow margin with less than 40% of the vote in 2017. She cannot count on relying on that sort of narrow path that she carved out for herself. You can assume that she probably would have been one of the candidates in the top two, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. But it means that she would have had to have found a way to build a broader coalition than she had been able to to get in and prove that she could get in that primary election. And she may have just decided that the path to victory in a true citywide race in April against another nonpartisan candidate wasn't there. Hmm. And it's interesting. It's it's largely allies of Treasurer Tashara Jones, who is who Mayor Krusen narrowly beat four years ago. It was largely her allies that got Prop D pushed forward and got this thing approved. Does this make her the heir apparent? It depends. Um, it depends on who gets in to this this uh, mayor's race now. There are four individuals who have active uh, mayoral campaign candidates. Tashara Jones is one of them. Uh, Alderwoman Kara Spencer from the 20th Ward is the second. Although Board President Lewis Reed has not officially announced, he has a Lewis Reed for mayor essentially committee. I can't remember if that was the official name of it. Mm -hmm. And then there is a fourth candidate, uh, businesswoman Dana Kelly, who also has an active can uh, uh, excuse me active campaign account and is uh, campaigning. So it's hard to say that. Uh, yes, Tashara Jones benefits d the most directly from this. I, I think it would have benefited her reg regardless of, um, and certainly would have given her the chance to go truly one-on-one -on -one with a candidate. Mm -hmm. So, but again, it depends on, on alliances that these, some of these other candidates can, uh, uh, can create, you would have to think that she probably would have been a favorite yes to be one of the final two into the April general election, but it's really hard to say. Yeah, I feel like this just gets so complicated right now. All the things that we thought we knew were upended by Prop D, and now Mayor Krusen saying she's not going to run for re-election, that adds this whole new wrinkle. It'll be interesting to see if there's a, a surprise candidate or who her voters will end up flocking to. I could see this going any number of ways, but, but going back to Tashara Jones for a minute, um, Krusen faced such a vocal faction of critics during her time in office. These were a lot of supporters of Treasurer Jones who were not happy with a whole lot of things that Mayor Krusen did. Do you think there's anything she could have done to win them over to her side? That's difficult to say. Um, you know, you never know how much of somebody's opposition to a candidate is based on their policies. And if she had, uh, you know, leaned more towards or adopted more of those policies or uh, sort of more of the progressive attitude toward governing if they would have chosen to support her or if they just sort of personally uh, disliked her enough to say no, no shift that she would have ever made in policy. I think back to something that the uh, Reverend Daryl Gray told my colleague Andrea Henderson when she talked to him yesterday. He basically said that, yes, while well, she did bring on an African-American police chief, and the she in this case is crew 
Rusin. Mm-hmm. Well, she did bring on uh, Ch- uh, Chief John Hayden as the head of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department, and that she included uh, uh, African Americans among her senior advisors, talking specifically about Public Safety Director Jimmy Edwards. He's a former judge. He, what he said was that he never really got the sense or understanding that she really understood the just the, the racism and the injustice that the African-American community faced, that mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the mayor just never fully grasped that. And while she tried to listen and be open to what the African-American community was saying, that there was never really truly a grasp of what it was that they were saying. She was hearing what they were saying, but maybe not absorbing or listening to it. And, and, and the Reverend Gray did get the mayor credit for making John Hayden police chief and for bringing those senior African-American advisors in. So I know she still has about six months left, but if you had to look at it at this point, what would you see as her legacy here? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think she would probably point to the, uh, although the NGA was uh, secured under her predecessor's watch, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency was awarded under her predecessor, Mayor Slay. Construction began on her term. She would point to, as she has, the growth in apartments and Mm -hmm. condos and, you know, really the concentrated growth in the Central Corridor. But I think it's ultimately going to be It'll be mixed. It's going to depend, I think, on whether you supported her her policies and are seeing the city through the lens of development and growth in the central corridor, or if you're looking at it through more of a what has she done to tackle some of the city's major problems, racial inequality, violence, etc. And I'm sure she would also point to her activities for green energy. She's received a lot of recognition for some of her her programs there. It depends on the lens, as so much does, you use to view her candidacy and her, or, excuse me, and her uh, her mayoral legacy. You mentioned uh, when we were talking about the reasons that she might be retiring now, I think you used a phrase like maybe the joy has gone out of it. Do you think she ever really enjoyed being mayor? You know, she, she's clearly a smart person, but sometimes when I talk to her, I just got the sense that, that, that the job was was really wearing on her. I mean, it's such a hard job. It is a hard job, and that is really, really, really hard to say. Um, she's kind of a private person. She's a very, she's a very private person who has, you know, made some aspects of her private life public. Obviously, she discusses a lot uh, the tragedy she experienced with her first husband being shot and killed in an attempted carjacking, and that has obviously certainly informed her policies, especially around gun control. But when she ran in 2017, I sat and wondered why you would give up the position that she had. She was Mm. the chief financial officer for um, one of the big architecture uh, uh, destination design firms, PGAV, in the area. That's a job that she had to give up to go manage a city, essentially, of 300-something thousand people. And maybe she thought it would be a good capstone to her career to say that she was mayor, uh, open up maybe opportunities for uh, lobbying options afterward. But I always sat there and wondered, was the appeal of the power of being mayor enough to, you know, give up a chief financial officer position, uh, which I'm sure was a, you know, handsomely compensated position? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, man, that mayor's job is just a tough job. But as we see, there's plenty of people who are now stepping up and, and want to do this. Rachel, do you have any sense of what Mayor Krusen will do next? She's still fairly young. What, she just turned 68? 
Yes, she just turned she just turned 68 um, under some pressure from a reporter at the press conference yesterday. She did reveal her age. <laughs> oh, poor uh, thing. It's a hard job. <laughs> it is a very, very, very hard job. I don't know what she's going to do next. I mean, she is at the age where she could retire, uh, spend time with, I, I don't know if either of her two children have grandchildren, but uh, I'm sure there are board positions that would be available at local corporations for someone like her and with her connections into City Hall. She does still have six more months of her term left. Mm -hmm. She will have to continue to lead or direct the city's response to the coronavirus. Um, she'll have to continue as part of the Board of Estimate and Apportionment to handle any of the budget fallout from that. There's still quite a bit of work left for her to do, and she may still have one more signature accomplishment up her sleeve that she wants to do. If we remember correctly, the announcement of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency remaining in St. Louis did not come until very late into what ended up being Francis Slay's last term in hmm. office. So I guess as they always say, stay tuned. But And, and we will stay tuned. And, and we hope that the next time big news breaks over at City Hall, that this will be a day when you are ready on the clock. So um, Or actually off, actually disconnected, actually not <laughs> able to, to, to jump in. Um, I was running, coming back from an errand and just happened to check the Slack channel and went, Okay, not working, but... <laughs> well, we appreciate you doing that, and we do appreciate all the insight you've shared today. So, St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lippman, thank you for joining us today. As always, a pleasure, Sarah. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.